Good evening, everyone. Mike Banner here of 62 Who Knew, coming you not from the beautiful studios of WeBeam TV in Newport Ritchie, Florida, but from my little fortress of solitude in the living room of my house, because we wanted to continue to bring you new and exciting, relevant, and timely subject matter uh, while we're all stuck at home. And I hope you're stuck at home. I hope you're doing your social distancing, and I hope you're staying safe. And if you do have to go out, like our brave nurses and doctors and firemen and police officers, I hope you're taking all the proper precautions. Uh, above all else, that's my message for today. Uh, but I don't want to waste too much time in bringing back and bringing in our guest. Uh, this is the second or third time, third time, I think, that she has been on. Uh, she, as you know, long-term care insurance is very near and dear to 62 Who News Heart. And uh, our regulars, such as Mark Goldberg, Peter Gelbrax, uh, Bill Comfort, tonight's guest, uh, they're literally giants in the long-term care insurance field. But our guest tonight, Ms. Carol Golden, who we're welcoming back, is the executive director of the Learning Center of NAFA, the National Association of Insurance and Financial Advisors. Uh, this is not only the largest financial advisor group in the United States of America, it has always been my favorite for the last 20 years, but many speaking engagements for them nationally on the relationships of long-term care and reverse mortgages. They're just a staggering uh, organization that always has its foot in front. Their, their goal is to always help the public. And what Carol is doing right now um, with NAFA is just a staggering thing, bringing a platform uh, out to their 30,000 agents who will then bring it to the public in a way that this nation has never seen long-term care insurance. We'll take just 10 more seconds to give you a little more background in case you weren't here five months ago because our viewership has gone up so much when Carol joined us. Carol is a forward-thinking organization consultant and business strategist with a diverse international background, holding senior leadership within the healthcare and insurance marketplaces throughout the country. She is recognized in several countries for her contributions to the long-term care insurance world and is a frequent speaker throughout the country at professional benefits and financial services organizations. Her bio actually goes on and on, but most importantly, she's one of my favorite people. So we're gonna to hear tonight, not just about what she's doing with NAFA and the outreach to our country, but some very serious things about research and how NAFA feels about the COVID-19 crisis, what we're all going through, and what her philosophy and NAFA's philosophy is going through. So let's bring up one of my favorite guests. And there she is, Miss Carol Golden. Thank you so much for joining us. I know you're home, and I also know Monday's one of your craziest days. How many presentations <laughs> did you do today? Well, actually, this is probably um, my fourth recording today. Um, as you said, uh, given COVID-19, like most organizations, NAFA, which is the National Association of Insurance and Financial Advisors, well, NAFA feels that this is the time, you know, what are we seeing everywhere, Michael? We're seeing it's time to pull together. It's time to look at ourselves and in, even though we're physically distanced, 
we have to be emotionally strong together. We have to be supporting what's happening. And um, NAFA is running a series of really impressive, um, what they're calling town halls. So they're taking some of the better known speakers, inviting them to these town halls. It's fast, it's a half hour. Some of the topics have ranged from um, how do I handle technology, you know, so that I'm, I'm not looking like I'm sitting in a cave, but I don't want to be in the spotlight either <laughs> as we're adjusting ourselves um, exactly. to uh, what kind of tech, what kind of technology, excuse me, something just popped on. Can you let me, excuse me. It just got, it's okay. This is what happens when we do this from home. Um, it's probably people beating down her door for toilet paper. The world's getting crazy. Um, well, you know, we're going to hear more from Carol as she goes on. Uh, but I like the way she started this. Uh, I don't know if we're going to go back to normal, even when the country opens up. And I think there's going to be a this is This is part of... There we go. Here she is. Yeah, I'm sorry. But this is, this is part of what I think we're all facing. My internet went out. Oh, so that's great. Had, yeah. <laughs> I thought people were attacking because they heard you had Yeah, I've got to be with you. Maybe you so know. my internet went out. And what do we all do? We go around turning all these different devices on to see, well, maybe it's just the computer, or maybe it's my Mac, or maybe it's my phone. My So I had turned on the television, and of course, it didn't come on until <laughs> now. <laughs> So I apologize That's okay. to everybody for suddenly hearing that it had popped on That's and okay. it just irritated us throughout. <laughs> <laughs> so well, as I was saying, doing these town halls, and I want and you I, to continue. If anybody would like a list of the topics, I mean, it goes from, uh, Michael, are you familiar with the book, The Power of Zero, for example? No, I'm not. The, the author of that book deals with how to pay zero taxes, because as you know, tax evasion is illegal. Tax avoidance is smart. So right. he goes through how to arrange things so that you could wind up paying almost no taxes, if not zero. Mm -hmm. um, so that's one of them, because people have time now thinking about the deadline for taxes being delayed. Mm -hmm. So what exactly is my plan going forward? One of the other topics um, is, for example, uh, information on filing. If you're a small business, you know, NAFA is very concerned with Main Street USA. Yes. And a lot of their clients are small businesses. And so they're trying to help people understand um, how to file, what to file, and so on and so forth. Then they have inspirational speakers, um, how to uh, continue to speak to clients who may be really upset by this entire experience in so many different ways. So that if anyone emails so me, I'll be happy to something. send them the list. And this has oh, got to be oh, so scary. Sessions are available. Yeah. 
I'm sorry. Go ahead. You okay? Yeah, I said this has got to be so scary for some people. People, you know, in living facilities that suddenly can't have guests. People that are sick that are dropped off in hospitals, but their loved ones can't come in and stay with them. And again, just that, that and I'm not talking about the 90-year-old people. Anybody in their 60s, 70s, 80s in good shape that are used to socializing, that round of golf, that, that, that uh, round of pickleball or tennis, that's their socialization. Uh, even going out to a supermarket or a doctor's appointment, uh, and now suddenly they can't. You know, I have my two children, my 26-year-old son and my 14-year-old grandson. They decided to hunker down with me because they want to protect me. They get our food at the front door delivered. They sanitize the cans. They sanitize everything before I touch it because they think at my age and my health that, you know, I could explode any minute and just be gone. Um, with, you know, so they're, prote- they're overprotecting me. Um, my daughter comes to visit me, um, you know, who lives a half hour away once or twice a week during coronavirus. There's a lot of people that don't have that benefit. And this, this is driving me crazy. This is day 24 for me in the house. And I do take walks. But if it's driving me crazy, what is it doing to those seniors out there that depend on that interaction? Well, that's another one of the topics that we're working on at NEFA. Um, one of the things we're doing is we're doing a series on caregiver and caregiving. Or we're developing that just as COVID-19 came along. So we had a slight advantage that we had started before the actual pandemic. And one of the sections that we have developed dealt with the technology. So we've been using a certain amount of technology all along, but now think of the advances that everyone is making in telemedicine. Yep. Right? Because now... So many of my friends, my doctor friends are doing their telemedicine now, and they've never done it before. Yes, exactly. And the, the good news is that Uh, My son works for Partners, which is the hospital chain in Boston, or the hospital organization, and uh, Brigham Young is part of it, Mass General, and they're they're developing more and more of the telemedicine, and the good news is that it's helping all of the physicians, nurse practitioners, everyone down the line to get more comfortable with it. Now, a lot of them were using iPads and things like that to a certain degree. But now, uh, setting up so that patients can call and they can triage right on the phone, they can figure out um, what kind of help that you need more quickly. So that's a good development. Of course, you know, chatbots had become one of my favorite topics. Yes. I think on the last one, I mentioned that study where they held the little um, dinosaur chat box upside down. Yeah. And the uh, group of people, after they saw it wiggling and making little noises, finally said, hey, d- d- turn the little sucker around. Put him down. <laughs> He's not happy. It's a robot, right? 
So now they've really made tremendous advances. Um, I think it was the University of Georgia, but I've been doing so much of it, I couldn't swear to that. Um, they have a chat box, but it's learning human emotions so that in dealing with someone in a nursing home who cannot have a visitor or someone, um, they, they can tell by the tone of your voice if they should look concerned or if they should smile because it's really fun and a joke. That's right. So it's, it's amazing that even the smallest uh, degree of human kindness that we can instill uh, in a machine to help during some of these times. But the development is all over the place. I mean, will we ever go back to people not expecting to have pharmacies deliver so yeah. that we really aren't standing in line at a pharmacy infecting one another? Yeah, uh, yeah. I think the new normal, I think there's going to be, I started to say this when you went to see what was happening uh, with the internet, and I was gonna save this yeah. for last. You know, so many people are going, I wonder when we're going to go back to normal. I think thanks to COVID-19, we're going to have a new normal. Like you said, why would I want to go uh, to CVS or, or Walgreens and stand next to sick people when I can get it delivered? And truthfully, I have friends that are doctors. Is this telemed today's generation of a doctor that makes house calls? Because let's face it, when you and I were kids, and we got sick. And our Jewish moms called Dr. Friedman. He came to the house with his little black bag. Well, kids today, almost even young adults, they're nothing of that world. But is telemedicine the 21st century um, technological house call? I think it might be. I would agree with you. I think that uh, it, it keeps people who are not feeling well from gathering in a doctor's office, and for the doctors, it does let them actually interact with patients. Now, there is a certain degree where they they're, may ask you to come in, but I agree with you. I think the initial house call will be much more uh, done in terms of telemed, and all the different um, things that we're doing now I mean, even even when you bicycle uh, and and you're uh, you're wearing instruments to tell you your heart, your uh, right. intake of oxygen, and and everything else. So we're going to have more information to share in a um, distanced manner, so that if they want to take a blood pressure or they want to see your sleep patterns, you'll have worn a device so that they're getting the readings that they need probably much faster as well. Yes. And then, of course, this is going to have to be <clears throat> an entirely different show. But if telemedicine became the mainstream and suddenly doctors didn't need such huge offices and such high payroll and things, you know, and a lot of human error was eliminated as they were being delivered our vitals through technology... Would that cut down on their major medical, on their malpractice insurance? Would it cut down on their overhead in their, two, you know, in their office that has 20 offices and 10 doctors? And could that ultimately cut down on medical costs? Now, my immediate answer is no, 
because the insur- uh, because the pharmaceutical world is too greedy to let that happen. But it could one day in the future actually even cut down the cost of medical uh, expense by doing it this way in an idealistic world. Right. You know, the, the topic that I have been um, speaking on and doing research on is uh, also brought to light by COVID-19. I had been um, researching uh, caregiving and the role of the caregiver because uh, with, even without COVID-19, we knew what kind of a shortage we were facing. Not everyone is as lucky as you, Michael, to have two children who can move in to take care of you because many of them don't live close by. Yeah. Or, um, think about how we define a family nowadays. There's the traditional, but remarriage, now all of a sudden two people let's say two children, have four sets of grandparents. That's right. It's right, so true. and so on and so forth. They have stepbrothers and stepsisters and stepaunts and uncles. So just in general, we knew that we were heading towards a shortage. And I think one of the things that COVID-19 really brought out to us is something that none of us like to think about, and that's how stressful it is to be a caregiver. Oh, my God, yes. We see on that, television how, how um, people have long, long hours. Well, if you're the caregiver for somebody, no, nobody comes to relieve you after an eight-hour shift. You know? That's right. You're kind of it. Yeah. And, and I'm, I've done research on, of course, we all knew there was an impact to your ability to save to your ability to accept promotions, to your ability to, um, shall we say, even plan the same retirement for yourself because there could be expenses you have to cover. I was on with a Nathan member this afternoon who sells long-term care. And his name was Roy, and he said to me, you know, I sold my parents a policy. And I told him you know, what I thought was best. Well, it turned out that he didn't, he didn't take my advice completely. He took a lesser policy. And when I said to him, what happened here? He said, uh, I, th- I think we need to save a little money. And he said to me, well, that saving a little money is costing us about $4,000 a month. That's right. What I have to lay out because he diminished the policy, he eliminated the inflation benefit. And the policy is 25 years old. Yeah. Right? So now he's become the caregiver in a financial sense. So there's all the things that that Mark and and Peter and Bill always bring up on the show, and I'm not going to try and repeat the statistics because I'll get them wrong. And it, to me, it's just such a staggering subject. Um, well, we actually on a caregiver. And they're Let's not a see. professional um, caregiver. The stress slide on a no, Slide number four taking, will tell us 
what a caregiver, what, what most caregivers look like today. What is the research showing us? Oh, good. So as you can see, uh, this was 2020, a PN Newswire, uh, PRN Newswire. Uh, 42 is the average caregiving age. That shocked me. Yes, really. Uh-huh. 62% uh, are married or living with their partner. It's almost evenly split between women and men. Women are still that a surprises bit more at 3% with men at 47. But I would have thought women would have been the great majority. Pardon, Michael? I would have thought women would have been the great majority. That surprises me. They were traditionally, but you know, think about how many people are, are not marrying any longer or are divorced. And, you know, if you have a son or only two sons and their spouse is not available or whatever, um, I will say I, if you dig into that statistic a little bit, the women do different things than the men. In other words, the men hire more people to do some of the caregiving. Yes. Well, intend to actually physically do it themselves. Yeah. But that study was looking at who is the alpha child, who is the one who actually is doing the caregiving uh, in terms of the family. So that that's an interesting statistic. It not only shows you that more men have to become involved because there aren't enough caregivers, mm. but that they handle it quite differently one from the other well again and what staggers me is the statistic of how many of them had full-time jobs <clears throat> you have a full-time job you're doing your best to take care of your mother your father grandma grandpa whoever it may be again i have to stress i have to stress the stress level of that um there are so many statistics that back you know that the caretakers themselves sometimes predecease the people that they're taking care of because of the stress of taking care of them, having a full-time job. And I noticed one line we didn't get to uh, before we took that slide off. The great majority of them have children themselves at home. Right. <clears throat> Excuse my voice. That's, that's a lot. Yes, it is. It is a lot. And of course, once you're talking about a caregiver who is working full-time, even without a second child at home to take care of. But can you imagine, you, you, first of all, you're not available for promotions. So secondly, Sorry. if it's affecting you financially in the current, you're also probably pulling back on your 401k, your IRA. You and I both know what you don't save today is almost impossible to make up in terms of money, resources, Absolutely. assets later in life. The time value of money does not work in your favor when you're obviously interrupting your ability to save. And of course, how do you retire when you expected to retire if in fact you haven't got the financial means that you were planning to have. Exactly. We had a professor on about six months ago 
um, who wrote a book exactly about what you're talking about, um, when specifically women, when they take off that year or two, and sometimes longer to take care of mom or dad or their husband's mom or dad, what that yeah. does to their 401k 20 years later. Right. Um, and it's, it's a staggering number. It really is. I saw that same study and the, the impact, um, frankly, on the whole family. Because now, especially for single men and women, when you think about delaying, for example, Social Security, when you've got that interruption in your earning as well, so now you're, you've got to work longer. And yes. if you work and earn X amount, it's a $2 for one off your Social Security. So it's, it's far more complex than just saying, well, you don't get to save as much. That's true. Right. But it starts to become far more complex because you, you see what's going to happen in terms of, as you pointed out, the long haul for the money earning something yes. for you. But the fact that you have to keep working, keep paying taxes, and you know it, it becomes offset if you're trying to look at your Social Security or your Medicare. It, it gets much more complicated. Much more. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Um, before I forget, uh, the uh, town hall meetings that you were talking about with NAFA, they're open yeah. to the public? Yes, I can send, if, if people just um, go and send me an email, I will make sure that they can get the link and the sign up. And yes, they're open to not only NAFA That's members, right. but NAFA is willing to do this for anybody. You know, we're all in this together. And instead of just saying that, they're trying to say, look, whatever, whatever topic would be helpful to you, whether you are a NAFA member or not, we're going to try to help you by letting you have access to these town halls. Um, I can get, uh, um, if I get emails, I can send out a list and that way they can go in and um, access. Well, everybody, please take advantage. We, you know, we consistently have 80, 85,000 people watching us. Um, wow. <laughs> and I didn't need, the first time you came on, I think that was like 22,000. Um, yeah, it Soon was. we'll be in the millions, especially if people are trapped in their house. That's helping. Um, but Carol's email is on the screen. We're nowhere close to done yet. But please take Carol's email um, or I, if I will post it. Carol, send it to me. I'll post it on uh, either the viewing on this on YouTube, on YouTube or I'll put it on the 62 Who Knew website. But you need to watch these things. You just, you will learn from it, uh, and you just need to do it. Um, so now let's talk. we got about half the show remaining, a little less. Uh, NAFA was starting a project with a new website uh, that you are heading to really bring the first, maybe not the first, but the most serious, most intense uh, platform to advisors all over the country which we hope they'll then carry forward to consumers on the topic of long-term care insurance. And I can't imagine how many people in the last four weeks are going, God, I wish I had long-term care insurance. This could be a painful lesson. 
But tell us what's happening in the last six months with the platform and how it's been progressing. Okay, well, as you know, it's called the Limited and Extended Care Planning Center. And the word planning is in there for a very good reason. We feel that even people who are not really ready to look at long-term care, we don't want them to look at it as one size fits all. For example, um, Michael, we all know that you're very adept at reverse mortgage. Now, in times like this, where caregivers may or may not have the funds to help when care is needed, person owns a home, smart people will have a line of credit, right? Because yes. they may or may not need to use it. But good grief, if you need to use it, there it is. That's and exactly right. I think there's a lot of misconceptions about reverse mortgages. I know your audience is probably not the group that's very confused about it. But I nine try. out of ten people. I try my humble best. <laughs> which, which really works. But we also do um, the traditional uh, long-term care. Uh, is it, how does it compare to a hybrid product? Um, we hybrid do, products. Right. We do um, other uh, solutions. What about short-term care? What is it? Should I use it? Do I pair it up with something? Could you, could you expand a little on short-term care? Could you expand a little on short-term care? Well, you know, short-term care, um, at the next NAIC meeting, which obviously has been postponed, but it was on the docket. But today, since, since NAFA um, is by far the most influential um, insurance and advisor uh, association, in DC, we had to, of course, cancel the congressional conference where every single one of us had the opportunity to sit down with a representative from our state. Um, that, of course, couldn't happen. One, Congress is closed um, and in the hotel couldn't have us. But I, I will say that for the most part, uh, NAIC had to go the same route, so their meeting is canceled. That was on the docket to discuss short-term care and making sure that it's uh, well understood, well regulated, what it does, what it doesn't do. There are some real experts out there that are very helpful uh, in terms of that. We also have um, uh, a couple of brokers who have tools I think technology and tools have become very important because a lot of people doing long-term care are using technology. They're not physically, they're so used to remote selling. What a blessing, right? Right. So for them, um, you know, finding out some of these tools and technology uh, are very helpful. One of the things that we have done is with COVID-19, of course, bringing up planning, being prepared. There's another slide in there. I think it's the fifth one, John, that kind of shows a list. Well, 
have you got something at your front door that has your organized information? Um, do you have the right type of things in there? For example, uh, a lot of the medical forms don't even mention uh, innovation, which with COVID-19 is important. Who has the right to speak for you? How long ago did you determine that? Is it updated? Is that person in another state? Because right now they can't fly here and help you. So you can see that, that this is the sort of thing that we're putting together um, so that family members will feel more relaxed, more able to handle uh, a situation. The way to handle it, figure out one, what's the plan? So in this afternoon when I was doing one of the um, recordings, I called it your care squad. Who's in your care squad? Do they have the right information? Is it current? And do they know where to find it? Have you got it hanging on the front door in case (laughs) you come down with this terrible, horrible thing and you really have a lot of trouble talking and running around the house gathering it. So who on your care squad is the one who calls the other people? And who on your care squad knows who your doctors are and who to call in case you get in that situation? Do they know which hospital you would be asked to go to if you had an option? So you can see that we've been working at NAFA on helping people feel more relaxed. It's a stressful situation, but the more planning that you have done, the more you say, what did I learn from COVID-19? I learned that I better be prepared for extended or long-term care because boy, was this a wake-up call. So at this point, keep saying to people, I don't know how you want to approach it, but you need to approach this topic. As far as agents and um, at advisors, boy, could there be a better um, conversation opener? I doubt it. (laughs) I mean, it it really is very easy to say, are you prepared? What's the plan? What do you think the future looks like? And then you start breaking it down into who's the caregiver, what's the financial situation, are we talking using (laughs) income, are we talking assets? Because most people think about it in terms of assets, but long-term care, you have to consider income as well. So it's lots of work that we have to do with people. (laughs) 19 is really helping to right into those conversations. Well, what's amazing is, you know, and it's human, it's always like this in the human race, something bad has to happen to let us see the obvious. Because everything, and again, I apologize for my voice, I, I seem to, I always want to go, I'm not coughing like COVID-19, it's just my allergies. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm not spreading germs. I'm suffering from allergies <laughs> also, yeah. and I can see when you're going to need to cough, I, I tend to just I better keep talking. <laughs> yeah, I know. Thank you. 
I thank you, but it just amazes me <clears throat> that everything you just said, everything people should have anyway. God, forget COVID-19 never happened. Every question you just asked, they should have somewhere for their health squad, their children, their something. That's what's supposed to be there. You don't know when you're going to have a stroke or a car accident or suddenly develop diabetes. Um, one of our other guests brought up something <clears throat> very interesting once that they, they talk to their clients and they say, no, 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 my son, my daughter, they're already on my bank accounts. They already have access to my mortgages. They have access to my stock accounts. And then something happens to mom or dad. And they go to the computer and the computer says, we don't recognize this computer. <laughs> What's your password? And they go, mom never told me my password. Need a new password. What's your old password? What was your best man's name at your wedding? And the son's sitting there going, I don't know, it's 10 years before I was born. And although they think they've planned, they still can't get to everything. Passwords, codes, sign-ons. You need but it all. The, the documents, for example, where did you lock that sucker up? And did you remember to take it with you if you moved? Yes. You know, there's that statistic about how many 401ks are left behind. And yes. the number of insurance policies and other assets like that, I think the number is something like a billion. Yeah, it's in the billions. Yes. It's 1.6 billion unclaimed because family didn't know about it. Yeah. And where is it? You know, part of our job is to, to say to people, do you have a will? Yes, yes. I spoke to a client the other day through an advisor, and I said, oh, good. And I said, uh, was it updated? Oh, yes, we updated it. A little later in the conversation, I said, um, I just wanted to make a note. When did you update that? 15 years ago. Oh, nothing has changed? Nope. Well, of course, you know, they, of course they, changed. They, everything changed. Their address changed. Uh, the, the downline, the legacy had changed. But to them, they, they were still a couple. What had changed? I can't tell you how many times, and these are intelligent people I'm talking about, people have said to me, can we close our reverse mortgage in a trust? I go, of course. They go, yes, we, we formed a trust you know, to go away, um, you know, to help our state, to help our children you know, get their hands on our assets without probate. This is the way we do I go, that's incredible. Why don't you send me a copy of the trust? for our legal department to look at. And then, of course, we'll close in the trust name. And they send to the trust. And there's nothing in it. I go, you must have left out some pages. They go, no, we did this eight years ago. They went online. They paid $62 to form a trust. They didn't have a professional tell them, you got to put things in the trust. And it, you know, if it happened once, I would laugh. But it happens a lot. Um, Certain things need a professional, a financial advisor, a long-term care professional, a final expense professional. Don't try and do this on your own. You're not doing anybody any favors. It's really amazing. It is. It, it really yeah. is. And, of course, you know, it's difficult, you know, some of these topics to bring up. Um, I always say 
do, do you know, I, I was talking to my daughter, Nicole, the other day, and I said to her, gee, I really need to decide uh, an end game for myself. And of course, she looked at me and said, what an awful thing to say right now, especially. Yeah. I said, well, um, Aunt Patty, my sister, Aunt Patty and I had started this conversation about almost a year ago. And she and her husband have done it. And I keep letting everything else get in the way of doing it myself. So I'm as guilty as my clients and as the advisors and agents know. We also are, are very understanding of what it takes to actually get to it. Now, one of the other sponsors, Legacy Shield, is a, a company that specializes in getting the documents and doing it electronically. And I personally found that that was easier. One, they're saved electronically. Yes. I can print my copies, but if I forget where I put them, because <laughs> I'm getting <laughs> older, um, it, they have that. And as you said, Michael, they're asking the person who has access. That person has their own code. So they don't need my code. And if I want to change that and say, cutting that person off, I can do it. So once again, we've made another circle back to technology, which maybe we didn't grow up with this tremendous amount of technology and helping. And I mean, even my thermostat is smarter than I am yes. <laughs> in terms of cooling and heating the house. But we have to start saying to our clients, I'm in the same boat. I, I had to figure out if I did get sick, who would be my caregiver? Knowing the stress, the statistics, looking around at other people and seeing how stressed their caregivers are. Yes. I think you referred to... Um, a statistic, Michael, and as I recall, the last one I saw, and as I say, I do a lot of research on caregiving, the last one I saw is that it can take about two years off the average life expectancy of a caregiver, not the, the receiver. That's amazing to me. I mean, that literally gives me the chills um, because mm -hmm. in a close family, like we all, like we have, that we're fortunate to have. I mean, I was one of those people that said if everything, if anything ever went wrong with mom or dad, <clears throat> as they grew older, I'm going to be there for them. Um, my mother, unfortunately, we lost to cancer a little bit of too early age. Um, my dad lived a, a lot longer and uh, finally succumbed to a congestive heart failure. Uh, but I was his full-time caregiver uh, for about, I'd say, six months. Uh, until one day out trying to run my mortgage company, children of my own. And then uh, finally, it was my dad. You know how I feel about the greatest generation. You know, our parents, they're just the best. They're the greatest generation. There never will be anything. And he looked at me, and um, this is uh, internet TV, so I can say this to you, and schmuck, hire someone. You can't run your company, take Stacy to cheerleading, Josh to karate, run the mortgage company, do seminars, and take care of me. And he was a big guy. He was still ambulatory, but he needed help sometimes. 
I didn't want to trust anybody. This was my first time. No, this is my father, my hero. Um, but at the end of six months, I was exhausted mentally, emotionally, and physically. And it was, thank God for him, because he went, are you an idiot? Hire somebody. Um, and we were blessed to be financially well off enough to do that. Um, but again, so many people are not. And that simple long-term care policy that is not anywhere as expensive as people think. If they would have got that eight or 10 years ago, they'd have that in-home care. So the in-home care person can be the caregiver and you can go back to being a son or a daughter. And I got to tell you, the first week we did that, the first week, and dad still lived another eight months with quality of life where I could go back to being a son and not worrying about, if he was here, he'd kill me, not worry about him having an accident at three in the morning. We both loved it. I went back to being a son. I mean, a caregiver second a way to put it. a profession. Yeah. You know, the other, the other thing we, we have at um, LECP uh, is uh, worksite. Because as you know, a lot of my career, I would um, sell at uh, work sites. That's mm-hmm. employers. Um, because like you, I felt that if they could payroll deduct it, and if they could take it out of their paycheck, uh, and it didn't, I mean, they had to give up two Starbucks at least a week. Yeah, <laughs> there was the money for the uh, premium. But I thought that that was another way for us to say, this isn't for just the wealthy. This is a middle America issue as well. Yes, yes. Yeah, so, you know, one of our sponsors um, is also a worksite specialist. And they've, you know, gotten together with some of the advisors at NAFA, um, and they do the entire case. Yes, there is, you know, the, the nice income from it for the yes. advisor, but it helps everybody because in that case, usually both people are working. So it's really hard for them to have one of the two become the caregiver for one of the four parents that they have. That's assuming a first marriage and a successful one. So I think that that's another that? thing that uh, people can say, well, it's awfully expensive. No, not if you understand the limitations, what you have to do, what it can do for you, etc. So that's, that's another area that, that we have included in LECP because lots of the advisors with wealth management, um, we have a lot of property and casualty people uh, as members, who deal with small businesses and who might not even realize, gee, Michael, think of the tax write-offs um, when, when you can use one of them. It really offsets the cost for the owner. And if he's benevolent, in part for his employees. Yeah, most people, you know, besides the tax write-offs, besides actually you know, the financial aspect, which is very important, to middle America. And to me, that's, you know, I have people, you know, they always say to me, you know, and again, you know, I'm not an insurance salesman. I don't even have a license. 
That's one of my goals for 2020 because I love long-term care insurance so much. Um, but I, it's, it's, it's unbelievable when I have somebody go, um, yeah, I don't need long-term care insurance. I'm self-insuring. And I go, well, if you have that low to mid seven-figure financial statement, yeah, and you're lucky enough to be able to do that, I don't agree with it. The richest people I know with seven-figure balance sheets have long-term care insurance because they want to keep those seven-figure balance sheets. But when they go, no, you know, I've, I've put a little aside. There is no long-term care event that only costs a little. You're not self-insuring. You're simply gambling. This is Bill Comfort words. You're simply gambling that it's not going to happen. There's no self-insurance. It's just a pure risk. It's like going to Vegas, going to the, you know, the roulette table, and betting on black or red. That's it. You're either going to get it or you're not. And part of this show, and, and I thank so much people like you, you know, coming on more educated than myself, getting to be 62 in this country is, is so much different than it was for our parents and their parents. Uh, thanks to medical breakthroughs, scientific breakthroughs, technologies, geniuses from the Weizmann Institute in Israel. If our children, if not our grandchildren, they're going to be playing tennis at 100 years old. They're going to be playing pickleball at 105. And they're going to need the proper protection. And it's really going to sneak up on people. Even though we keep blasting it out, the mainstream media, they don't blast it out. I mean, of course, today, you know, cable news, mainstream news, it's all COVID-19. But let's go back well, to Michael, this. I have to say that... I have started to see more and more the use of the word longevity in the main street, of course, on a very positive note, we're living longer. But a lot of Americans, when you watch any kind of television, the commercials for the pharmaceutical, of which I can't even begin to pronounce those names, but they're plentiful. So we know that they target an audience, which means, I suppose, us sitting on the couch, we're the target. But longevity does not equate to independence or good health, That's which right. is a different topic entirely. But for us in long-term care, longevity is a key word because when you're pricing products, when you're looking at comorbidities and the effect on longevity, all of that starts to really become the keys to why we're spending so much time talking to people and saying, let's assume the best. You're one of those people that gets into that statistic where you really do live a long time. So take a pad and a pencil, be optimistic, put down what you really are going to have in terms of your assets and your income by the time that you're going to retire. And then take that number out for what you think, how long you might live. Oh, but wait a minute. We know healthcare is quite expensive. So once you get to that number, maybe we better take off what it costs for just Medicare Part A, B, D, maybe if it's not included in one of your programs, and then co-pays. Um, we're going to have to change that number, and it's not That's going right. up. 
And I have found that that simple, you know, pad and pen, people go, wow. And I go, so if we can offset some of this with knowing that we have income from an insurance policy, how do you feel? That's right. You can almost see them go, oh. Yeah. So sometimes like, rather than technology, we're back to the basic pen and pencil saying. It always you know, comes back to that. I'm number, sorry. But if you get sick, not such a good number. Unless you no. have insurance. No, there's no doubt. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a strange world to me. And um, you know, with only a couple of minutes left, <clears throat> three minutes left. You know, we don't have time to do this right now. Um, I want to bring you on one of the times because uh, we can have multiple guests now. Uh, John Gaston, head of WeBeam TV, has arranged that for us. Bring you on with Bill Comfort um, possibly sometime. You know, with these new hybrid products where people can get all the coverage they want. And this is the part that staggers me. And a guaranteed refund of premium. So when somebody looks at you and goes, ah, Long-term care insurance, I'm going to pay those premiums forever. What if I don't use it? Okay? You know, that's not a bad thing to say. I think no. it's a little short-sighted, but it's, it's got some mathematical logic. But now you have a, a guaranteed refund of premium rider. If they don't use it, they can get all their money back. Where is the downside to having this protection? I still don't get it. Why are people going, nah. I still don't think so. Oh, it, to me, I don't even sell insurance, and it's staggeringly frustrating to me when people ignore what longer lifespans is doing and how much they need this kind of coverage. Well, but you know, part of it is that old argument of tangible versus intangible. Yes. Offering them peace of mind, less stress, all of which are intangibles until you're experiencing them. So that's why I said to you, NEPA has really, really gotten involved in trying to give all kinds of resources, no matter what it is, in terms of COVID-19. Because I think this is a lesson where we are in a stress situation. So now you know how really scary, uncomfortable, and unhappy that makes you. So now it's a little more tangible in terms of wouldn't you like to protect yourself from going through this kind of, what if I go to the hospital? What, what, I mean, how am I going to pay for that? Is it covered? Etc. cetera. Um, we have a sponsor who is so good in Medicare and Medicaid by state. And I have been leaning hard on him. He's also a wealth of knowledge on veterans' benefits. So he would be an interesting person to have on because he's... If you he, would, please uh, make me a, a an model, email introduction. Following. Anything that helps our veterans, you know the way I feel about that. Well, we have about 20 seconds left. I, our hour always goes so quick when you're with us, 18, 17. Thank you for doing this on such short notice. Uh, I do want to have you for having me. Bill Comfort. Thank you so much. Uh, we will put the website on for NAFA. Six seconds left. Everybody, please stay safe. Thank you, everybody. Thank you very much, Carol. Take care and see you Hi. next week.